On today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse just made five times what the first film did on its opening preview night. Tom Holland has announced that he and Marvel and Sony have officially started meeting about Spider-Man 4, but those talks are currently on hold. The Netflix shareholders have just sent a pretty big rebuke to the Netflix executives, voting down their pay packages. Fast X is going to get a companion buffer movie with Dwayne The Rock Johnson between it and Fast 11. Also, some rumors about feuding between Vin Diesel and Jason Momoa. Also, Netflix has announced that we're going to get our first look at Avatar The Last Airbender live action pretty damn soon. That and a whole bunch more of the John Campus Show starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn related show on the planet Earth, the John Campia Show. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and this show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Mint Mobile. And it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, giving you not just our opinions, but also giving you information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. Joining me in studio today, we got Ray Ora. Hey, hey, hey. Jonathan Voiko's here. Good morning. Chris Carr is here. Hi. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for making this podcast a part of your day. And here's how today's show is going to go. We break it into two parts. We start off by talking about all those predetermined topics. Then in the second part of the show, we take questions from our YouTube channel members. We, if you're listening to this in podcast form, we have a YouTube channel and over there we have channel members and we ask our channel members to send in topics and questions and we will get through just as many of those as we can in the second part of the show. Okay, guys, that down, let's get into it here, shall we? Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is now out. Uh, I went to go see it yesterday. I know Ray has gone to see it yesterday. Chris, did you see it yesterday? Yes, I did. Chris did indeed see it yesterday. Did Jonathan see it? No. <laughs> no. No, we knew Jonathan wasn't seeing it, unfortunately. But um, we got some numbers already for the first preview night. Of course, Thursday is considered preview night. Let's put this in context. The first Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse movie made $3.5 million on its opening preview night. The reports are now saying that Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse made $17.35 million in its preview night, which is mm -hmm. basically 5X. It's basically five, just, just a hair short of five times. Now, at 17.35 million on its opening night, this gives, according to Variety, Across the Spider-Verse, the second highest preview gross for an animated movie behind only The Incredibles 2 with 18.5 million on its opening preview Dang. night. So this is a very good start. Now, they're saying right now the projections that the opening weekend for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is anywhere between 80 and 90 million. I think it may exceed that. But even at the low end, at $80 million, let's say he makes $80 million opening weekend, that more than doubles what Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse made on its opening weekend at $35.4 million. This number is impressive. And part of the reason why I think it's going to exceed that 80 to 90 million is word of mouth. People are not just saying this movie is good. Some people are saying it's one of the best movies they've ever seen. 
Some people are saying it's one of the greatest comic book movies that's ever been made. Some people are saying it's one of the best animated movies that's ever been made. A lot of people are saying it's one of the most visually creative and unique films that you've ever seen. All of those. All of those things. All of those things are correct. <laughs> I Listen, I am still punch drunk from the movie. So I, I am, I, I'm not objective right now. It's a recency bias. And I'm not ready to sit here and say this might be the greatest comic book movie of all time. It's certainly in the discussion. Give me a few days to digest and watch it a few more times and, and, and maybe I'll even out a little bit. But the movie is absolutely, remarkably phenomenal. The last time I remember coming out of a movie almost dazed from like, what did I just watch? Was the first time I came out of Spider-Man, or it's not Spider-Man, Captain America Winter Soldier. Hmm. And I remember the first time walking out because that was that 70s political intrigue right. vibe sort of thing. I remember we came out of that movie never believing that a comic book movie could be like that, right? And I remember me and a bunch of other people walked out of that movie, that, that advanced screening they showed us, almost dizzy and looking at each other and going, what did we just watch? And I had that feeling coming out of Across the Spider-Verse. It is so bombastically creative. And Chris, I don't know if you'll agree with the statement. One of the things I said in my out of the theater reaction to it was, this movie is incredibly complicated, but in the hands of great storytellers, the audience never gets lost. Yeah. They tell a very complicated story, but they tell it in a way that is very one foot in front of the other and the audience never gets lost and we're always right up. We know exactly what's going on at all times. And we never feel like in the shuffle of everything, in the bombasticness of it all, do we ever lose sight of what the movie is, where it is, and where it's going. Um, and these box office results, again, are pretty damn impressive. And that's why I think this word of mouth, Chris, is why this movie is going to exceed that 80 to 90 million. I don't know that for sure. Maybe we'll wake up on Monday and we'll, or Sunday and we'll get the numbers as like, you know, 89 million, which would be great. Yeah. Way better than the first one opened. But I think it's going to exceed that. What was your general impression of the movie and what do you think about these numbers and how big of an opening weekend do you think it can be? I freaking loved this movie so much. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Breakneck pace the whole time. And to your point too, this does multiverse better than most things I've seen do multiverse. I'll I say this put, is the, uh, listen, is I love everything ever all once. Yeah. I'm not saying this is a better movie overall than the best picture winner, but as a multiverse movie, Nothing else touches this. This explains it so well and not in a way that ever dumps it down for you and not in a way that's ever convoluted. You can, and pardon the pun, but you can follow this web so easily. <laughs> One, because of the visual component of it, but two, just because of the way it's explained and acted out throughout the film. It's really easy to understand this concept and the greater concepts that they then start throwing at you and challenging you with. And that's the most interesting thing here is challenging you with some of these superhero tropes and things, which I think is very, very very cool and fun. This movie's phenomenal. Honestly, even if it just stays the course, right? If it has this consistent kind of 17-ish kind of number floating throughout the rest of the weekend, this is still going to be in around 70, right? Yeah. So I think this is going to blow those projections out of the water because everyone is so hyped about it. And it's one of those things too. I know sometimes I'm guilty of this. I go, ooh, people are overhyping this movie for me. It's going to let me down. Maybe I should wait a little bit on it till that kind of dies down. Get your butts to the theaters because truly... One, I don't want things spoiled for you. I really don't. It's a bummer when that happens. And two, this really does live up to that hype that everyone's been spouting. Now, it's up to you, obviously, if you do think this is the greatest superhero animated film, et cetera, et cetera. But man, this is a great, great movie. And for any of those people who I know I talked about, maybe you're on the fence about bringing your kids to this. While it is 
a lot of dark, heavy concepts, I think your kids are going to be fine. That's yeah. me personally, as somebody who only is raising two terriers. So <laughs> I, I could be talking out of my butt on this. But man, this movie was phenomenal and I cannot wait to go see it. I think I'm going to see it every day this weekend. And, Anne and I walked out and we got in the car, got home immediately. No, in the car, we dropped Ray off and then we pulled out our phones and we booked the next tickets for later that night. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm going to see this four, five, six times in theaters because the highest praise I can personally give a comic book movie is when I say it's not just a great comic book movie. It is a great movie. Absolutely. Um, and I said, you know, Ray, you were there. But we didn't get you on the um, on the instant reaction coming out of it. What did what did you think about Spider Man across the Spider Verse? I I can say for sure right now without recency bias, it's the best animation I've ever seen ever 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 ever. I don't know how many times I have to say ever. We don't. Either. I meant it's just the uniqueness the the things they do from not just like scene after scene. It's like. It gives you a different look, a different perspective with colors that pop so much. And every action is filled with like some sort of uh, a, uh, um, graphic, you know, some graphic like, a, how do you call it? Boom with it. Like right. everything someone does in that film. When in doubt, you say see boom. It. You, <laughs> see, you see it. You see it on screen. And I, I can say this for sure, that this is the best animation I've ever seen. As far as the best comic book movie... I'm going to let it marinate for a little bit, but it's really good. Everyone should see it this weekend. I don't know what's wrong with the Oscars, whatever. This should be up for some awards other than best animated film. Well, I'll tell you what I, I did. Uh, I did open mic last night, a late open mic. Cause we obviously we went to go see the movie a little bit earlier in the day. And I, this is what I said at the point. I cannot conceive of the notion that this movie does not get a nomination, not for the cop-out best animated film feature, but for best film of the year. And, and I'll say, and I said this last night, if we end up being in a year that 10 other films are better than Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, I will say that this is the greatest year we've ever had in movies in the history of cinema. Now again, we got a lot of time between now and the end of yeah, December. It's June. But I but I'm saying if ten more movies come out that are all better than this movie, it's gonna be the greatest year for movie ever. I keep thinking about the CinemaCon we were at and uh Lord uh Phil and Lord Miller. Lord Miller, yeah. yeah. They came out and said, Oh, what we have is still not finished, and we we're like, What? It's been so long. I could see after last night. They took their time. Yeah, they did it right. They waited. They delayed it. It's crazy, and it came out perfect. Well, and to that point, right? It was so cool to see the finished product. Yeah, like one of the opening scenes we saw very, very rough two cinema cons ago, and that was oh my gosh, I've seen the scene, but it's so different and complete. Yeah, it's some so of the cool. scene that they showed us was finished. Some yeah. of it was pencil sketch. Yeah, yeah. some Ultra of it wasn't was... even in what we saw. We just saw the stick, like the the stick. yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of crazy. It was amazing. So, Jonathan, what did you think of the movie? Oh, oh that's right. You didn't see it. Oh, I forgot. What movie are you guys talking about? <laughs> Barbie. Uh, I should see it. Barbie. Yeah. All right. Anyway, guys. Um, yeah, so that's, I, again, I agree with Chris. I, I think the word of mouth alone, I don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this movie is going to make $200 million opening weekend, not at all, but... It, from that projection of 80 to 90, the word of mouth has been off the chart and deservedly so. And I, I think it's going to get into the hundreds. Yeah. I think it's going to the hundreds. Not a bad thing if it doesn't. Yeah. But even at the low end at 80, that more than doubles with the last film. That, did, so that's pretty. It. That track's almost break even by second weekend. 
Jeez. All right. That's awesome. With that down, let's stay on the theme of Spider-Man a little bit, shall we? Uh, of course, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. We made a video about this one a little bit earlier on the show. You know, when you look at the Spider-Man films with Tom Holland, they have made $880 million, $1.13 billion, and one of the biggest films in the history of cinema at $1.91 billion. The Tom Holland Spider-Man franchise is, by any metric, a ludicrous success. And with that kind of money, you know there's no chance in hell there's not going to be a Spider-Man 4. There was some speculation that Tom Holland's contract is done. The move on. No, no, no. Well, don't worry about that. It is indeed coming. Amy Pascal the other day mentioned that they are currently working on getting a Spider-Man 4 together. And now Tom Holland has actually doubled down on that. He said, not only have like some stuff been happening, I've been in meetings already. He said this, I'm quoting this from Variety, but Tom Holland said this, I can't talk about Spider-Man 4 right now, but I can say that we have been having meetings. We've put the meetings on pause in solidarity with the writers, Holland said. There's been multiple conversations though, and at this point it's very, very, very early stages. So that is how far along, I mean, he's saying very early stages, absolutely it is, but it's far enough along that they're actually bringing in the lead actor of the franchise, to actually sit down and have meetings. And they're already discussing it. They're already talking about this thing is already on the path to coming to be. So, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier in a video we did on the YouTube channel. But Chris, I wanted to ask you because you weren't here. What do you think about... you 210. (laughs) What do you think about the notion that, you know, Holland has already started having meetings with these folks. Was it always a foregone conclusion that there was going to be a fourth one? (laughs) And, And what do you think about the fact that they're saying, even though they're not right. The studio people and him aren't in the WGA that they've decided for now that until the WGA strike is done, they've decided to stop all their meetings. What do you think about all that? Well, the halt because of the WGA, classy move, smart move too, right? You can't do this without a writer. And as we know, if you want to ever be part of the WGA, we're not going to cross that picket line. Right, folks? Thanks. So there's that. (laughs) That's my own inherent union bias. But I obviously we knew we were getting more Spider-Man movies, especially with Tom Holland. I know that we had that lovely trilogy, but I feel like that was this story. Right. And now we're moving on to a new chapter with some new things going on that honestly is going to, I assume, and this is my own opinion. I think we're going to go on to that kind of classic Peter Parker story, him living in the one bedroom apartment in New York, him trying to sell pictures of Spider-Man, maybe for meat. Maybe for money. Who knows what JJ's going to pay him this time. But I'm excited to see that version of this come into fruition and see Tom continue to grow into the role. Because I, I know we all kind of see him as this, you know, teenager and everything. He's not. He's a young man. And I'm excited for him to transition into this part of his life and to see where this story's going and how he's going to get MJ and Ned back. Because he's got to. I think they die. How dare you? I'm kidding. How I get them back you? by letting them die. You have the <gasps> nicest thoughts I've ever heard. Everyone's <laughs> going to be happy and fine and love will win. Ned's going to get in a car accident. Oh, my gosh. Life Honestly, though, that movie. is the Parker luck. That would, that that would, would be very be the Spider-Man. Parker luck and all that. I Look, I just though. know that I'm very excited to see whatever they're going to do, wherever they're going to go with this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice hearing that, you know, the process has already started. But how long will it be paused? That's now the big thing, right? Yep. Because with the writer's strike on, they're pausing. And this isn't the only project. A lot of projects right now are on hiatus. Even some movies and TV shows that were actually being shot are now stopped. Um, some because they need writers to keep things going. But even some that have their scripts already locked, they're just saying, no, we're not going to work while 
the writers on strike. So, and this is only going to get worse if the directors and actors go on strike. So here's hoping. I don't have a lot of hope for it, but let's keep double fingers crossed that all sides are able to find a compromise that makes everybody a little bit unhappy and a little bit happy and they can get this thing done. Uh, that'll be best for everybody if they can. At least I hope they can. All right. With that down, guys, we're going to take just a brief second here and thank one of the sponsors of today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, our friends at Rocket Money. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, Rocket Money. The average person has around 12 paid subscriptions. Think about that. If you think you're only subscribed to a handful of services, you might want to double check. With Rocket Money, you can quickly identify and cancel all of your unwanted subscriptions. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitor your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want and don't even use. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as the click of a button. My wife Ann and I moved out of Burbank two years ago and one of the first things I discovered when I loaded up Rocket Money was that I was still paying for a gym membership I haven't even been to in Burbank in two years. So stop throwing away your money. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to Rocket rocketmoney.com slash campia that's rocketmoney.com slash campia rocketmoney.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at rocket money for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show all right that down guys let's get on to the next topic here this one's interesting and it is connected to that writer strike that we were just talking about a little bit there's been a vote amongst the shareholders, the actual owners of Netflix, the shareholders, about whether or not to approve the executive salary package, the payment that the executives are going to get. Now, just to put this in context, you know, they have two CEOs, they have co-CEOs, uh, Sarandos, I always pronounce his name, mm -hmm. he gets, his package is $40 million a year, his co-CEO, I believe, is $34 million a year. Yep, Peters. Then they have like um, a uh, some other executives get uh, $14 million a year. The CFO gets $14 million a year. The uh, marketing executive, I think, gets somewhere in the neighborhood of $11 million a year. Uh, so on and so forth. The executive package. A lot of money. A lot of money. Well, according to a report now, Coming out of variety, the shareholders have said no. Uh, this is what it said. In a symbolic rebuke of Netflix's top executives, company shareholders voted against approving the compensation packages of leadership, including co-CEOs Ted Sarandos and Greg Peters. Uh, at the September, uh, at the streamer's June 1st annual shareholders meeting, investors failed to approve the proposed exact pay package of 2023. The vote came after the Writers Guild of America had urged investors to vote against Netflix's executive compensation measures in a letter that they put out earlier on Tuesday. Now, the WGA leadership said something very interesting. They said this, shareholders should send a message to Netflix 
that if the company can afford to spend $166 million on executive salaries last year, then it can afford to pay the estimated $68 million per year that the writers are asking for in contract improvements and put an end to the disruptive strike, which is a pretty strong thing to say. Now, it needs to be pointed out for anybody who's asking, so wait a minute, does that mean the Netflix executives aren't getting paid? No. No, they're getting paid. Um, they're still going to get paid. The vote was symbolic. It's actually the executive board has the ultimate authority to approve the pay packages. And even though the shareholders have voted no, they're still going to get their, their salary packages. But still, it is a very public rebuke by the shareholders. And because there have been a lot of reports out there that Netflix is actually in the AMPTP the, the Producers Guild, the ones that are, you know, negotiating with the WGA, the Writers Guild, that within that Producers Association, Netflix is the signatory, according to some whispers, that's really being the holdup. They're the ones that are fighting hardest to try to get as much from the writers um, as they can, which kind of makes them a little bit of a big, juicy target, um, I would think. So, by the way, I let me say this right up front. I do not agree with the economic assessment that if you can afford to pay 166, you can also afford to pay another 68. Ooh. That's not the right wording, but it is symbolic. It's like, look, Netflix, you are making a lot of money. You are the big holdup here and the shareholders have spoken. We don't even think you guys should get paid right now until you get this thing worked out. Again, it doesn't have any force, but it's the first real big public rebuke by shareholders on a matter like this. Chris, you are a union member, mm -hmm. not the WGA, but SAG, yep. and they could be following along closely here soon. Mm. Uh, what do you think about this, granted, symbolic move, but might be a move that, even though it's only symbolic, could have some teeth. What do you think about what they did here? Absolutely. does. I think, do think it has some teeth. I think this is really, really a great move, because I disagree. I think that if you can afford these to pay these executives that much, you absolutely can pay these writers this much. Well, you're I, out of money now because you paid the executives $166 million. You don't I, have 68 I left. keep thinking of Conan used to do this segment where he had one of the executives from his show where he'd go, show me what you do here. <laughs> show me what you do. And it was this guy being like, uh, sometimes I have to approve this stuff. He's like, you do nothing. You do nothing here. And how much are you paying? And I know that's a very blanket statement. And a lot of it was done for comedy. But I always think of that when I see these comparisons, because CNN also released some numbers, too, about how the median employee at um, at Netflix. Right. When you take everything, the median number there for salaries is around two hundred eighteen thousand. But what that means is there is like the disparity between the executives and your normal like middle-class worker is like 234 to one. It was some bananas discrepancy of just these executives are making money hand over fist and you have to have the content to make that money. So why aren't you paying these people that? So there's that. But obviously this move is all about optics. If yes. you are looking at this and, and I will say more people know about the writer's strike than I think a lot of our kind of typical movie news around here. That seems to be something that a lot more people are aware of just because it's been talked about by political figures. It's on Twitter a lot. It seems to have a little bit more of a um, broader audience in terms of what movie news people usually know about. And if they approved of this and I know it is a symbolic thing, but if they had approved of this, that would have looked terrible Everything the WGA letter pointed out would have brung true of just, hey, this is not a good look to approve of billion dollar or million dollar packages when we're not paying our writers who are now in their fifth week of striking. It's it's interesting, though. The, the one mistake I think the WGA is making here 
and it can be easily corrected, is trying to win in the court of public opinion. Because unlike a lot of other things in life, I don't think the Producers Guild cares one squirt of piss what the public thinks. I really don't think they care at all. Well, it's not the Producers Guild, though. It's the Alliance. Right. It's sorry, the Alliance, ones. I should say. Yeah. It's not the PGA, correct. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the Alliance. Where the WGA is going to have its power is, unfortunately, it's going to be a war of attrition. They're going to have the power once these signatories on the producer side start to get hit financially. Mm-hmm. And when their movies aren't making, when, when they have content that they're not delivering and things like now where there's always a gap between when something happens in the movie industry and then when you actually feel the effects of it, there's always that gap. And I think the WGA leadership knows that the way you really do put pressure on the, the signatories of the, of the producers here is going to be in that war of attrition. It's, it's not going to be with public opinion or whatever, but it is certainly embarrassing when you have your shareholders say no. And it's, um, I wonder if there will ever be consequences of the fact that the executive board is still going to do what they're going to do. They're still going to yeah. approve these packages. Like these guys are still going to get their $40 million. But I wonder if at some point the shareholders do something about that to say, you know what? No, no, we do need to have the power of the shareholders here to yes or no. Don't get me wrong. Day-to-day operations can't be in the hands of shareholders or else nothing will ever get done. But I wonder if something like this will bring that more into light. Well, yeah, because it does seem like this kind of ridiculous thing. Last year, you know, in 2022, only 27% of the shareholders approved of the last pay increase. Yeah. So it's so completely arbitrary that it is just something that makes a headline and we all know about it of, oh, those shareholders aren't too happy with this, but then they still did it. I don't yeah. know. It's like telling a kid that they can't play video games, but then they just go up to their room where there's a PlayStation 5. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know why they're probably not going to make too much noise? You remember last year, we did a big, it was a big deal. Netflix literally lost about $45 billion in one day. Yep. There was one day where they lost like half of their market cap. They lost like $45 billion in a day. They've gotten it all back. And that makes the shareholders happy. And while the shareholders, and I, I'm happy that the shareholders made this symbolic gesture, and I hope some more pressure comes to bear as a result of it, they're not going to do much else, though, because at the end of the day, Netflix is making the money. And it's going to be so, it, yeah, it, it is what it is. Anyway, uh, be curious to know what you guys think about all that. But again, I, I think this is, it is embarrassing if you're Netflix, that your own shareholders resoundingly you know, rebuke you like this. Let's see if it actually has any impact. All right. With that down, let's talk about this. We'll kind of wrap a couple of things into one thing here because there's a couple of Fast and the Furious stories here to discuss. First of all was one that dropped yesterday as we were recording yesterday's episode of the John Campus Show podcast. And we didn't have any time to talk about it afterwards because we went to go see Spider-Man. But Dwayne Johnson is back in Fast and Furious, which everybody already knew because of the post-credit scene in Fast X. But apparently now we know why he was in a post-credit scene in Fast X. It's not so he can be in Fast and Furious 11. It's because they're doing a spinoff film that they say, quote-unquote, bridges the gap between Fast X and Fast 11. And But it's not Hobbs and Shaw 2. Because oh. I don't think Jason <laughs> Statham's going to be in it. But they're saying this is going to be a story that Same bridges writer. Fast X to Fast X 11, which makes me think he's not going to be in 11. And according to reports, Vin Diesel will not be in this movie. It is a standalone movie that I think will involve Dante, 
Jason Momoa's character, which if you saw the post credit scene for Fast X, you understand how that's going to work out. So interesting. You know, we I, I brought up some numbers a little bit earlier today. Chris, we, we looked at all the box office that the Fast and Furious movies made. And we said, it's not a coincidence that all the biggest numbers are the ones that had Dwayne Johnson in it. And then for a comparison, we put up the two movies that came out close to each other. Fast 9 and Hobbs and Shaw, the spinoff movie. And the spinoff movie made more money than Fast 9 did. Granted, See, I watched the one that's important. Yeah, the, the, that's right. <laughs> now, granted, okay. granted, Fast 9, we got to take out the grain of salt. That Fast 9 came out, you know, um, closer to the pandemic recovery period as, as, as the theaters were reopening and movies are starting to come back out again. I mean, so you got to take that with a grain of salt. But still, it's interesting to see that a little spinoff movie with none of the core characters from Fast and Furious made more money than Fast 9 did. Also, I think it's important to the folks at Fast 9 Universal and the people who make Fast and Furious because, look, the reality is Fast 10 is not doing great by Fast and the Furious standards. As a matter of fact, if you look domestically, that's here in the U.S., Fast X has been in theaters one week longer than Little Mermaid has. Do you know what movie Americans are more interested in watching? Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid has made more money in the U.S., than Fast X has. And if you had told me that a few months ago, I would have said you're crazy. That Americans are more interested in Fish Girl, a live-action remake, than they are in Fast 11. Now, now keep in mind, Fast 11 is getting the vast majority of its money in the international audience and is doing much, much better there, 100%. I just, if you had told me Americans are more interested in Little Mermaid than Fast X, I, I wouldn't have believed that. And even now... Even though it was out longer than The Little Mermaid and other things like that, it is still a question if Fast X is even going to break even. As of today's recording, Fast X is sitting at about, I think it's $528 million worldwide. We went over last week the numbers. This movie needs to make about $750 million. Other people are saying it needs to make more than what we're saying. Like uh, my estimation is it needs to make 750. Others are saying it needs to make more than that. It needs to make well still more than $200 million. And the vast majority of its box office has already been made. So I don't know if that kills the idea of a third Fast X movie or not. But now on top of all that, there are reports going around that for the record, I do not believe. Oh, okay. But there are reports going around that Dwayne Johnson has a big problem with Jason Momoa. Oh, you mean Vin there Diesel. Are, Vin, was Diesel. I, I, oh, Vin Diesel. Diesel. What did I say? Dwayne Johnson. Oh, sorry. Vin Diesel. Thank you. Vin Diesel. No problems between Dwayne Johnson and Jason Momoa. <laughs> Um, but that there, that Vin Diesel has big problems with Jason Momoa and the way he played his character. Um, it is saying in here, what, what was the quote that I got here? That Vin Diesel is upset with the actor for stealing his thunder. Um, and for, let me see if I can get this quote right for overacting and scene stealing and that he's very upset. And now Jason Momoa has heard that. Vin Diesel's going around telling this to people and he doesn't appreciate that and blah, blah, blah. That's the rumor. I don't buy the rumor. Just to be clear, I don't. It's an easy rumor to start. (laughs) Because what I said, we made a video about this earlier today. What I said about it was, look, Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson's beef 
had to do with work ethic, had to do with a, a lot of different things, stuff like that. The stuff they're saying that Vin Diesel has a problem with Jason Momoa over makes no sense to me. Because if you're Vin Diesel, this is your franchise. You want other people to come in. It don't matter. Guess what? If you're on a hockey team, sorry guys, I'm going to use a hockey analogy, Ooh. right? You don't care if it's the other guy that scores the winning goal in overtime. You just want to win. That's it. You want to win. And in a Fast X movie where not a lot of positive stuff is being said about it, one of the consistent things is people seem to like Jason Momoa's Dante. Guess what? That reflects well on Vin Diesel. Anything that is a win for the movie is a win for Vin Diesel. And so I don't buy, I don't buy this, this whole story here. But again, a lot of people talk about it. Anyway, Chris, let me ask you. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Dwayne Johnson coming back? Uh, do you think the numbers kind of made it inevitable that he would come back? Because remember, Dane, Dwayne Johnson's also still kind of licking his wounds over Black Adam. I was going to say. What do you think about this chat about this feud now between Momoa and Vin Diesel? If it is real, could that affect their ability to get in other new stars for Fast 11 or Fast 12 if that does happen? I don't know. What do you make of this whole situation? First of all, the, the Momoa and Diesel thing just seems ridiculous and childish. And maybe maybe there's some validity to it, but I don't buy into it. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that's a thing. You don't dog on somebody who's getting you good reviews for your movie. Like the yeah. gleaming little bit of hope in there, that teaspoon of hope for this franchise right now. Yeah. No, nah, you're not going to dog You'd on that. You have to be psychotically egotistical. Yeah. Destructively egotistical. Yeah, which, yeah. I mean, uh, But then you wouldn't be making any movies exactly, anytime soon. Exactly. Like, everyone's if, your enemy. If you were that insecure, are you bringing in a yeah. Jason Momoa are in you bringing in place? that delightful golden retriever energy? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, no. Yeah, he can you, spend like his if, time if anywhere that, else. Are you even bringing them in first? No. You don't go out and get an Oscar winner to come in and be in your movie. You don't go out and get all these people who have much bigger, more, more respect Oscar in the business. Winners. You do it because it looks good for your franchise. And if it looks good for your franchise, it looks good on you. Exactly. Right? So that, I poo-poo all of that. Now, <laughs> I find very interesting that we're getting more hubs. One, because this is the film I am aware of and have seen and I'm so familiar with. So yay, more hubs. But I also find it much, much more interesting that both of these gentlemen are having to kind of reel back what they've said about the other. We're and sorry. Yeah, and kind of hang their heads a little bit and say, you know what, I think we need each other and let's make this work for both of us is how it feels right now. Hey, I'm not going to do another movie with you but I'll be in your franchise still. I'll be that tether between the two films. Because yeah, Dwayne Johnson, huge movie star, but man, Black Adam was not what he thought it was going to be. He thought that he was going to have a very different role over at Warner Brothers. So he needs to make sure he's maintaining this relationship with Universal and having a really, really great relationship with this franchise that for the most part has been very successful for him. And if he can breathe new life into this and kind of help resuscitate this film to the next one, I think Vin Diesel is going to have to view him with a different light too. So hopefully this is this is an example of winning cures everything. Losing also makes you reevaluate. So if you're not doing well, a lot of times you got to just go, all right, I guess I got to work with this guy who I might not like too much, but sometimes we make some magic together. Let's see if that happens again. Maybe uh, Jungle Book 2 will come out. <laughs> Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise Jungle, Jungle, Jungle too. Cruise. Oh. Yeah, no, not not a lot of interest over here on uh, on a Jungle Cruise too. <laughs> All right, hey guys, with that down. Let's get into one more topic here today. Um, you know, 
One of the shows that I am oddly really looking forward to seeing is Netflix's live action version of Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm so excited. The casting has been wonderful. I mean, seriously, the casting job they've done in this, I think has been absolutely wonderful. I'm actually kind of excited. Like, I never watched Avatar The Last Airbender until the pandemic. And I was like, well, everybody's always talking about this. I should give it a shot. And well, while it leans a little more childish, as the seasons progress, um, it's actually really well done storytelling. And, and I found myself really quite enjoying this series. Anyway, now that we've got, we've known for a while that they've got this live action adaptation and we are going to actually get our first little look at it sooner than you think. Uh, this comes to us from the directors writing an official promo for Netflix's Tadum Brazil. That's, that's the year. Tadum. Tadum Brazil event confirmed that the first preview of the streamer's take on Avatar The Last Airbender will take place during the event on June 17th. So basically two weeks from now, basically. Starting at 5.30 p.m. Brazil Standard Time. The Tadum event is confirmed to be streamed worldwide on YouTube. So with all the talk, and we've been talking about it now for a couple of years about this thing coming, all the anticipation we're about to get our first little taste about what this thing's going to look like, what it's going to feel like. I expect about 10 seconds. I don't think they're about to drop a five-minute preview. I, I think it's probably going to be something very brief, a couple of quick shots, a few lines of dialogue, 10, 15, 30 seconds tops, whatever. Maybe we'll get lucky and it'll actually be a legitimate like five-minute preview. But whatever, we're about to get our first look at it. And I got to tell you, my hopes remain high because other than HBO, I think the most consistent, consistent, high quality television show producing outfit out there is Netflix. They suck shit at making live at their, uh, at their original movies. They're awful, but their programming, their television stuff is top notch. Again, I think only HBO does it better than them. So I have a lot of hope for this, and I'm, I'm excited to see what we're getting here. Chris, between the two of us, you're the much bigger Avatar fan than I am. Oh, yes. But what are you thinking about this? Are you looking forward to this event? Where has your expectations been? What do you think? I'm so excited. I love Avatar, Avatar The Last Airbender so much. Nickelodeon gave me a steelbook of it. Really? Uh, yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. I've read the novels. I've read the graphic novels. This is my fandom. I love this shit. So things like the live action film have have hurt me. <laughs> yeah. No, that is difficult. one of the only films I've ever walked out of in the theater. And I did watch it at home and was very upset that I completed it. But <laughs> this, I do have high hope for hopes for, even though the creators did step away from this one as well. So there is that little bit of hesitancy here, but this cast is so amazing. Having Appa from Kim's Convenience yeah. play Iroh is inspired. Daniel Day Kim as Fire Lord Ozai is going to be so good and so properly menacing. Because that's one of the things I liked about this show is even though, sure, the, the first season does skew a bit more towards a younger art audience, the threat and danger is so real. And I think you need that childlike wonder and understanding of the world at the beginning to then see how war and its atrocities change people and children and make you have to step up and, and sacrifice things in your lives. I think that kind of trajectory is one of the smartest things about the show is that your viewer typically could grow up with it. But also if you're an adult watching it, it's, oh my gosh, 
yeah, this is through the eyes of a child. This is horrible. Mm. And and, you know, Fire Lord Ozai is this real terrible threat throughout the entire thing. So I'm excited for Netflix to do it. I did want somebody like a Netflix, like an HBO to do it as well so that it would have that kind of gravitas. So we would see the spoils of war in a really horrific way because the show kicks off with genocide. Yeah. An entire people is wiped out. And I don't think they're going to shy away from any of that. Just from the still images and everything that we've seen little glimpses of, I really feel like they're going to lean into this show um, and, and really make it their own. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm curious. I want to, what did you think about the legend of Korra? I like legend of Korra. I don't think it's as great as Avatar, the last airbender, but I feel like after it got into, it's like, Halfway through its second season or so, I felt like it really found its stride. I felt really upset that Nickelodeon ended up pulling the show early. Um, a lot of it could got, you got to see online, and I think they got a shorter episode release as well. But again, those comics are really, really great. If anyone is jonesing for more Avatar 2, there's an amazing comic book line that gives you so much more stuff. You find out about what happened to Zuko's mom. You find out all this stuff with Korra and the spirit world. It's incredible. So Did you, you guys watch Avatar The Last Airbender? Unfortunately, no, actually. But I, I know that Brazil does get the drop on a lot of popular uh, stuff. Like, they get the first looks at a lot of comic, yeah, comic cons animated are stuff. I know they have these auditoriums. I watched this video of this auditorium filled with Brazilians watching Dragon Ball Super or Dragon Ball Z. And they do it in, like, family, big family community forms. So... Man, I, I the love there in Brazil is crazy for for the properties that they enjoy. What's the name of the big the CC, big convention? Isn't it CCXP? CC? Yeah, mm. something like that. We really should go to that someday. Oh man, because <laughs> that thing's getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time. Yeah, like and and I've always wanted to go to Brazil. I, I, it shows that um, a lot of the people who create these things appreciate the fandom over there. Yeah, because they'll drop things that we don't see here. Because I've always wanted to walk weeks. around in a thong speedo okay. oh. out in public. Oh, and I understand oh. that down in Brazil, you can do that. Do we have bleach uh, in the kitchenette for, for my eyes? <laughs> take it for one. Yeah. <laughs> take it for one. <laughs> that's what that's going to be like. <laughs> oh, my dad used to work in Brazil, though, and he always talks about how beautiful it is. Oh, so. love mm -hmm. to see Brazil. All right, guys, that down. Mm -hmm. We are now going to move over and start taking your questions that our YouTube channel members have been sending in for the show. Now, before we get to those, though, we're going to take just a quick second to thank a couple more sponsors of today's episode of the podcast, our friends at ExpressVPN and my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, ExpressVPN. Guys, it is 2023 and online privacy and security has never been more important. You see, every device, phones, computers, tablets has a unique IP address, which is like an internet phone number and reveals personal information about you. It's super simple for somebody online who knows what they're doing to find your IP address. If you've ever clicked on a sketchy link or opened an email from somebody you don't know, your IP address could become exposed. Now that's where ExpressVPN has your back. ExpressVPN is an app that hides your real IP address and replaces it with a dummy one, keeping you safe and private. And you don't have to be some kind of techie to use a VPN. Guys, it is so easy to use. Just download the ExpressVPN app on your phone or computer, tap one button to turn it on, and you're protected. And if you like your streaming entertainment, here's the coolest part. They let you choose what country you want your IP address to look like it's coming from. This is incredibly useful because services like Netflix and Disney Plus give you different shows depending on what 
what country you're in. So secure your family's online activity and unlock tons of new shows by visiting expressvpn.com slash campia. Use my link and you can get three extra months free. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash campia. Go to expressvpn.com slash campia to learn more. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people looking Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at ExpressVPN and Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campy Show podcast. Remember, guys, when you go check out and support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So if you look down in the description of this podcast, you'll find links and promo codes to all of today's sponsors. And again, thank you to ExpressVPN and Mint Mobile. All right. With that down, guys, let's get over and start taking the questions our YouTube channel members have been sending in. And first of all, to all of you guys who are members of our YouTube channel, thank you so much for being members and supporting our channel. So uh, let's get to it. Chris, what do we got? From Chris Hamilton. Hi, John. Should MoviePass consider rebranding and change its name? No. I've thought about this. And while it is true, on the one hand, that there is a very icky, you know, um, implications that come along with the name movie pass because of the way the previous ownership kind of handled it and ran it into the ground. Fact of the matter is you spend a lot of money to try to get brand recognition and everybody knows the name movie pass and some people even remember it fondly. So I actually think the pros of the recognizability of movie pass outweighs some of the negative connotations that go along with it. So actually I think they should keep the name. All right, what's next? From Red One Real Talk, I've become Ray Aura at the theaters lately. Ready to sleep, active bladder, and dreading three-hour films. So having fallen asleep at work, I was worried I might miss part of Spider-Verse. But my God, did this film keep me engaged. I was engrossed in every second of the action. Absolute masterpiece. I know. I, Ray was not sitting with Anne yeah. and I. I actually thought the movie was short. Really? Well, when you sleep, I, I was. It, it yeah, when you no, 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 no. Not kidding. I actually was kind of happy when I walked in. I was like, "They're not sitting next to me. No one's sitting next to me. If I happen to fall asleep, it's all good, you know." But I was watching the whole time. There was. It's just there's so much going on that you you can't fall asleep. And it was every a great single movie. shot is a work of art. Like yeah, every yeah. single Beautiful. frame there's so much thought and imagination that goes into it. I meant the very first thing I thought about when I got out I was like I'm glad I got that Spider-Punk figure. I'm <gasps> yeah. glad I bought oh, yeah. that one. 
I would trade I in my 2099. I would trade in my 2099 for a Spider Gwen. How was your guys' audiences? So excited. Was good. I, we had I a baby. At the end, there was a baby in our left. audience. You didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. Or it was like a little kid and it was talking. You didn't hear it. Well, no, I heard a little girl talking near the beginning of the film. A yeah, little but then bit. she. Yeah, but yeah, but the, but it didn't become a bad thing. Yeah. So it was all right. But our yeah. audience was actually pretty good. Hyped. All right. What's next? From Ulatan, gang. Happy Friday. We all know how OP Dom is the fast in. In the fast uh, overpowered series. Dom is in the Fast series. It seems the only place the franchise can go next is to the multiverse. If you were writing, who do you have winning Dom versus uh, who do you have winning Dom versus Xander Cage versus Riddick versus Groot? Groot. Well, Groot. Groot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that's on. obvious. No matter how overpowered they make Dom, but beyond that, Riddick. Again, yeah. one of my things that I appreciated about Fast X is the fact that they reeled in the ridiculousness of it ridiculousness of it a little bit. Again, I, I've said this a lot, but I feel like they took the nonsense level to fast seven nonsense levels instead of fast nine nonsense levels. Cause yeah, fast nine nonsense levels was literally going into space with a car. I mean, come on. It was so Man. fucking stupid. Um, and, and then it's a question of, well, where do you go next after that? But at least, but now that they've reeled it back a bit, it gives me a little bit more hope for that. All right. What's next? From Ivan Rodriguez. Hey, guys, finally can think of a question on time. What do you think would happen to the DCU if this Flash movie is as good as it is, would come out in 2018 when it was supposed to? Bring on the filthy. If it would have come out then. <sighs> I, I, You'd still have the other movies to contend with. Yeah, I think it's a Terminator situation where, hey, even if you kill, you know, who's the guy who created it? Dyson, who created the, the chip that went on to become Skynet. It, it, it will still happen, right? That's the problem. Even if this movie came out in 2018, that would have been a big hit and a big win for DC. But at that point, even by then, it was too little too late. Like, I, I think the it, the the disease had set in, the thing was dying, and I think it would have been good. Maybe it would have prolonged it a little bit. But honestly, one of the big problems with DC is that they prolonged it too much. They should have pulled the plug on this years ago and gotten a head start on a new rendition of the DCU, which is what they're doing with James Gunn right now. But they should have got a head start on this by a couple of years. Instead, they tried to make it work even though they were beating a dead horse. They should have killed it earlier. And maybe if this movie came out in 2018, it just would have prolonged that death even longer. But um, yeah, it is what it is. I can't wait for people to see The Flash, though. It's so good. It's so good. All right, what's next? From B-Town, what up, OG Campion the Squad? Which is the better sequel, Spider-Man 2 or Into the Spider-Verse? Love to hear your opinion, even though the movie just came out. It's too early. It's too early. Um, listen, Spider-Man 2, I think for many years, was considered by a lot of people to maybe be the greatest comic book film of all time. But I don't think it's been considered that for a number of years now. It's, it's in the, a lot of people's top 10, for sure. Right now, I'm still in the afterglow of Across the Spider-Verse. I mean, so yeah, right now I'm thinking, hey, this could be the greatest comic book movie of all time. And I don't know if I'm going to actually think that one week, two weeks, three months from now. For right now, still admittedly giant asterisks, I'm still in, in the afterglow. I'm still punch drunk from it. I will say Across the Spider-Verse is the better sequel, but it's close. And by the way, for those at home keeping score, 
Sony has now made the three best Spider-Man movies. Spider-Man 2, Into the Spider-Verse, and Across the Spider-Verse. These are the three greatest Spider-Man movies. And Sony made them all. But um, for now, I'll say Across the Spider-Verse. I don't, Chris, you... What do you think? I mean, granted, you are still also punch drunk from yeah. just watching. We just saw it. We just had the experience. But if you had to say right now, and I give you the right to change your mind later, yeah. but which is the better sequel? As of right now, I feel like Spider-Verse is. Yeah. Yeah. Be- because there, there's one thing I love about the second Spider-Man movie, and it's Alfred Molina. Yeah. That's the big thing that sells it for me. And that's a great story and everything. PlayStation did it better if we had Alfred Molina doing that story. Oh my gosh, whole other conversation. But yeah, this, this I think just, it's incredible. It's incredible. I'll have to rewatch both though. Yeah. And see how I feel about it. All right, what's next? From a man, Guardians 3, Flash, and now Spider-Verse. Looks like comic book films are back on the menu, boys. <laughs> that was a really bad a org. Quote. I should have done better. Uh, back shaping, on the menu, menu boys. boys. Shaping up to be a great year. Harrison? <laughs> yeah. Get off my plane and go see these movies. Shaping up to be a great year. Although I'm hesitant about Aquaman and Echo, I'm confident the Marvels, Blue Beetle, and Secret Invasion will all be great. Uh, I'm glad you're that confident. I, I mean, Echo's not a movie... Uh, Secret Invasion is not a movie. You know, I'm, I'm focused more on the movies. Look, I, I don't know what's coming later, but Guardians, Across the Spider-Verse, and Flash are all going to prove, Guardians already did, but this proves definitively, these rumors and nonsense of, oh, the audience has superhero movie fatigue. No, they did not. There's no such thing. The audience has mediocre movie fatigue. Mm-hmm. And that's, we've been getting, there have been some great things, yes, but we've been getting a lot of mediocrity from, you know, every corner of the comic book movie world, whether it's DC or Marvel or whatever. And that's what people get tired of. As soon as Guardians 3 comes out and is great, all of a sudden we see people paying attention again. This Spider-Verse movie is at minimum going to double what the first one did. And while I don't think The Flash is going to be a billion dollar film, in a world right now where DC movies are making less than $150 million per film, when you're looking at Shazam 2 and under $400 million with a Dwayne The Rock Johnson starring Black Adam, this movie's going to make a lot of money compared to those two. A- a- again, it just proves it. There was never a such thing as comic book movie fatigue. It's mediocre movie fatigue. And when the movies are great, the trend goes upwards. And uh, whether or not it carries that on with Blue Beetle or with the Marvels or with Aquaman, don't know. I just know that right now, I've seen three incredible comic book movies in a row. And uh, it's been a while since we've been able to say that. All right, what's next? Oh, oh there we go. From Gannon, do you recommend people rewatch Into the Spider-Verse before seeing the new one? Yes, not completely necessary. I was actually talking to a friend of mine in a car drive on the way over here. He goes, hey, said, you know, it's been a while since I've seen the first one. Do I need to go back and watch again? I'm like, here's the thing. The parts that are important to remember about the first film are flashbacked in this film. So you're never going to feel lost. Do you need to go back and watch the first one again? No. Do I recommend you watch the first one again? Yeah, that would probably be good. I think you would benefit from it, but you're, you're perfectly okay if you don't. Perfectly okay if you don't. All right, what's next? From Nathan Barron, Spider-Verse was incredible. I also saw The Boogeyman, which surprised me because it was actually good. Okay, Nathan. I looked up the Rotten Tomatoes score after and saw it being pretty well received by critics as well. You should check it out. 
I didn't even know it came out. I didn't yeah. And I, I want to see this movie, but <sighs> it, look, it, it's been completely camouflaged by, by across the Spider-Verse. I, I have been zero, I've been tunnel visioned on Spider-Verse. I didn't even realize Boogeyman came out this week. Ray and I saw it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You guys saw that. I, but I do want to see this. I think it looks actually pretty fun. All right. Thank you for reminding me. I totally lost sight of it be, in the, not, again, in all the haze fun. of Spider-Verse. Like I, I'm such a big weenie. And even I was like, this just isn't good. Yeah. I, I was just <laughs> oh, annoyed. That, that's the one you saw at CinemaCon. Yeah. I thought it was a different one you no. saw. No. Oh. Which I will say, the Boogeyman's design, particularly once you get to the third act, very cool. But so, I was so bored. But you know what? I, I so forgot that was the same one. I heard a number of people, I, I skipped out on the screening of it, but I heard a number of people at CinemaCon say they didn't really like it that much. Mm -mm. So, okay, but I still okay want to see him. it. I still think yeah, it looks good. If you liked it, that's awesome. All right, what's next? From Dildar the Glorious. Saw Across the Spider-Verse yesterday. It was simply incredible. A landmark in animation and deserves all the awards. Sucks to see some people hate it, though, because of the ending. And refusing to call Miles Spider-Man with a movie filled with Spider-Man like he's the only one who can't be, uh, can't be because of his skin color. Very, very, very small, small, small group. I don't see that very much. I was going to say, I haven't seen people reacting no, that way. I, I, I have a little bit, but it's a tiny, it, it's such a tiny piece, not even okay. worth discussing. Yeah. Not the ending, I know, is something that a lot of people were like, what? When the when it ended, including my husband. Yeah. Well, of course, because yeah. it, it is directly tied into Beyond the Spider-Verse, which is that, coming out. So I, I do have to say, without spoiling anything, when everyone had that kind of what in the theaters, it was, this is... The second movie in a, in a trilogy. <laughs> what, what did you all think was going to happen today? Yeah, I, I, I won't go into it, Yeah, but. But we should go in. It, it was quite. <laughs> an, again, hey, and we will go into it on Sunday with an open spoiler discussion. Make sure you guys check that out. We will be doing a live streamed open spoiler discussion of Spider-Man Cross Spider-Verse. Make sure you guys come back and join us for that. All right, we got time for two more. What's next? From Dante Serechia. Obviously, no spoilers, as I have not seen Spider-Verse 2. But with the preview night breaking all the records, and now that you've seen it, do you think this movie has a chance to reach the billion-dollar mark? Thanks, John, and bring on the filthy. Impossible to say before I see the opening weekend numbers. My first, no, I've always said no. I don't believe this thing. Look, the first one also made under $400 million, right? So... I, and the reality is, unfortunately, there's just too many people that look at animated films without the due respect that it deserves. Uh, this is a very stylized movie, which means for a lot of people, that's awesome. But some people don't appreciate really stylized movies and all that kind of stuff. I don't see it making a billion dollars, but I will never be happier to be wrong if it does. But I, I, I just don't see it. And it doesn't need to make a billion dollars. That's the beautiful thing about this film. It doesn't need to make a billion dollars. As long as it can beat out the first film, I think everybody over there is going to be really happy. It deserves it. Yeah, it totally does. 100% deserves it. All right. What's next? From Yosef. Dear John, with talks of Spider-Man 4 being rumored, where do you see the story going? Do you think Peter finds the symbiote that Venom left at the bar? No, I don't. I think they're just going to abandon that. Um... Where, who knows? Like we've got, we literally would probably have eight other MCU films that come out between now and when a Spider-Man 4 will come out. So we have no idea what even the state of the MCU is going to be. So it would pretty much be folly to even try to wonder or guess about where will Spider-Man 4 go 
when the world of the MCU could look very, very, very different than it does right now by the time a Spider-Man 4 even comes out. Um, and even though they're already talking about it, I don't see, I mean, I don't know this. Just be clear. This is just me speculating. I, this isn't a fact. This is just me speculating. I don't see this Spider-Man 4 movie coming out before, say, Kang Dynasty. So again, it's it's we have no idea even what the status of the MCU is, so it's really, really hard to say. All right, guys. With that down, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campia Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this podcast part of your day. Big special thank you to all of you guys who are our YouTube channel members for giving us all these questions. Number one, just for being YouTube channel members and supporting our channel. We appreciate that very much. But number two, for giving us these great fun topics for us to discuss. Don't forget, guys. Have a wonderful, safe weekend, and come on back on Monday when the John Campia Show podcast returns. And once again, this Sunday, we will be doing an open spoiler discussion for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. You've got a couple more days to get yourselves out there. Go see this movie. I'm going to go see it a third and fourth time, and we hope you guys will join us then. So, for everybody in the room, Ray Ora, Jonathan Voico, Chris Carr. Hi. I'm John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>